The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Many times we need to keep our health in check, but don't know what questions to ask or where to begin. We walk in blindly to our health care provider and walk out none the wiser and maybe even more confused than before. Can you take charge of your health and arm yourself with the questions and preparedness you need? The answer is yes. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. This program will answer your questions and give you the best practices for facing your medical partner in good health. Now, here's Dr. Susan Downs. Hello there. Welcome to Occupy Health. This is Dr. Susan. We have heard many speakers talk about how important our diet is and how important our lifestyle choices are. And I tend to love sugar and gluten-laden goodies, and I was thinking my life is over. How could they do this to me? Is this price fair enough? Or uh, is it worth my health? There's really a dilemma there. And I thought, do I have to be miserable in order to stay healthy? Well... When I discovered almond flour and coconut flour, which have almost a zero glycemic index, I was as happy as can be. There was hope. But there's even more help, and our guest today will guide us through this. Diana Coulian is the author of the best-selling cookbook, The Recipe Hacker, and another cookbook as well, The Recipe Hacker Confidential. She's passionate about creating wholesome versions of our favorite foods, And so this will entail removing the gluten, perhaps the dairy, the soy, and the grains and cane sugar from the traditional comfort foods that we all love, such as the cakes, tacos, cookies, waffles, enchiladas. Uh, This sounds pretty promising. This hobby propelled her to start the popular blog RealHealthyRecipes.com, which is where I met her. She shares hundreds of delicious recipes and mouth-watering photos. She lives in Southern California with her husband and has two young children and sounds like a wizard in the kitchen. So welcome, Diana. Thank you so much, Susan. It's great to be here today with you. Yeah, and I'm hoping you could guide our listeners who want to be healthy and want to have all our comfort, creature comfort foods. I hope you can help us deal with this. So first of all, yeah, I mean, we we don't want to give up everything. Uh, and so, you shouldn't you shouldn't have to give up everything. Oh, those are such comforting words. So how did you get interested in recipe hacking? You know, for me it really started when um I started cooking for my children, you know, when when my children got to the age where they're eating solid foods and it kind of hit me because the statistic came out that year that our children are going to have a shorter life expectancy than we are. And the root of a lot of that is in childhood obesity and how, you know, just today our health is not what it used to be. And as a young mother, that really struck me as this responsibility that I had to feed my children healthy food. And, you know, as anyone who feeds young children knows, 
you can't just feed them, you know, broccoli and chicken breast. You have to make it fun. You have to make it taste good. And you also have to make it feel like and look like the food that they, you know, see at the restaurants and that they see their friends eating. So for me, it was really propelled out of, you know, trying to give my kids a great experience with learning to love healthy food. Well, tell me what's unhealthy about the other foods that we all love and the kids see at school and all their colleagues are eating. Well, you know, the number one thing is that everything today in our, in our diet, our mainstream diet, is very processed. And as a byproduct of that, there's, there's so many calories in it and there's chemicals and additives that, you know, when we eat it throughout our day, I mean, that adds up throughout the years and the decades, that it just leads to obesity and it leads to us, you know, being in poor health. When we want to eat for health, we need to eat fresh ingredients, you know, as close to the earth as possible. And so what you're asking, what isn't healthy about these ingredients, you know, there's too many calories, it's too processed, and just eaten over a prolonged period encourages us to just eat more processed food. Well, is there any adverse health effects of these additives and flavorings and whatever else they put in our processed foods? You know, I am not a researcher or a doctor, um, but I can tell you that just looking around, you know, people don't look the way they used to when I was young. And it's just on a global level, you know, our health is declining, our life expectancy is declining, and obesity rates are through the roof. And so, you know, one must make the connection between where we are with our health and our bodies and with what we put in our bodies. And, you know, those additives and those chemicals are being consumed at a a greater rate than ever before. So, you know, I'm a layperson here, but the connection just makes sense that, okay, let's go back to a diet that's more wholesome. Let's cut some of these processed foods out and let's see how we can benefit with, you know, maintaining a healthy weight and with having more natural energy and just see where our health goes from there. Well, I will step in here because there's a lot of research on the additives and the processing of foods. They put, uh, for example, they put hydrogenated oils in it to keep it hydrogenated fats so it has a healthy, has a long shelf life. I mean, you can put a ding dong on your table and probably a year later it's still there. I think people have done those experiments. There's all sorts of chemicals. And a lot of our uh, guests have spoken that, for example, Dr. Pajani and others, that if there's any additive at all, that the body will see it as foreign and might mount an autoimmune uh, response. These things can also adversely affect our gut. So they do create a lot of havoc um, and they do lead us down the pathway toward bad health, autoimmunity, uh, uh, oxidative stress, inflammation, which are the normal culprits involved in starting diseases. You've heard many people here discuss that. So she's absolutely right. These things are bad for us and are certainly contributing to our bad health. So, okay. So what does hacking a recipe mean? So hacking a recipe, it's kind of a term that I came up for. Um, So it's the art of taking a traditional recipe, something that is made with the processed ingredients, Typically, it'll have grains, gluten, dairy, and, like, refined sugar in it. 
and I'm replacing those ingredients by using wholesome real food ingredients. So uh, earlier you mentioned, you know, almond flour and coconut flour, and that's a great example of a very simple way to hack a baked recipe that you might, you know, have made for years and love, but it uses, you know, refined white flour. So we can take some almond flour and we can use that instead. So hacking the whole concept is just let's take out these ingredients that aren't good for us and let's replace it with something that tastes similar, gives us a similar product, usually it tastes better, but it's good for us. Okay, so substituting almond flour for white flour, you substitute it one-to-one? With blanched almond flour, you can substitute it one-for-one for for wheat flour. Now, when we get into the coconut flour or we get into the arrowroot starch or flax meal, um, the ratio is not as clear because these other products will absorb more of the liquid from the recipe, and so... You know, I always tell people, almond flour, you're good to go, you know, one for one. But when you get into coconut flour and arrowroot starch and flax meal, you need to use less of um, these other flours because they're going to absorb more liquid or you need to balance the recipe by adding more liquids. So that's where people like to go to, you know, go to my website or go to my cookbooks because I've already figured it out for you to do that, you know, that fine balance of the liquid and the absorbent, you know, real food flour to give you a product that sticks together. Because, you know, with with experimenting with grain-free baking, the number one thing is it's falling apart. You know, it's not sticking together like a regular piece of bread or a muffin or a cookie. Um, And then the other thing is, oh, gosh, it just came out hard. Like it wasn't, you know, light and fluffy like we're used to with a product that's made with gluten. So there's definitely an art to figuring out the ratios and the balance in these recipes. And, of course, that's what I do um, on my website and in my books. So does the texture and the fluffiness of using the blanched almond flour, does that, is that about the same as we get as with, the, with our old standby of wheat flour? No. Almond flour is denser. So, um, and then there's actually two kinds of almond flour. So there's almond meal which is almonds that have been ground with the skins on, and it's going to have a darker color. It's a very pleasant product to work with, but it's not as light. And then there's the blanched almond flour. So they've taken the skins off, and they've ground up the blanched almonds. So this is lighter. However, it's not going to be as light as something that's made with wheat flour. Now, that's where I like to start mixing in some of the other grain-free flours, like coconut flour is very light, um, arrowroot starch is very light. So what I like to do with my recipes is to find a balance of using, you know, enough of the blanched almond flour, but then subbing in some of the lighter flours so that we're not, you know, the resulting product isn't heavy or doesn't feel dense in a way that we're not used to. Is there a general formula, for example, uh, okay, a certain percentage of almond flour and a little bit of the coconut flour would be give us about the same consistency as uh, wheat flour? Is there a general formula, like 80% of one and 20% of the other? So, it, you know, if we don't have your cookbook on hand and we just want right. to improvise, is there a general yeah. formula we can use? 
Well, I'll tell you where I typically will start. So let's say, you know, a typical recipe will call for two and a half cups of white um, wheat flour. So I'll do one cup of blanched almond flour, and then for the remaining one and a half cups of wheat flour that I'm replacing, I'll do about a third a cup of coconut flour, because as we know, it absorbs a lot more liquid. So between a quarter cup and a third a cup of coconut flour would replace one cup of regular white wheat flour. And then for the remaining half a cup, I would do maybe two tablespoons of arrowroot starch. And of course, this is not an exact science, but this is a place to start that would get you in the general, you know, realm of, okay, this is absorbing enough, but it's not going to be too dense. Um, And then you can balance your liquids from there. So let me see if I've got this straight. So it's one cup of blanched almond flour uh, with a third of a cup of coconut flour and two tablespoons of arrowroot equals how many cups of wheat flour? Two and a half. Okay, so now, that's a place that we can all start. That is, and, and again, bec- the, the blanched almond flour, you can really do it one for one, but as we start to replace these other flours, you, you need to see how it's working with the liquids in the recipe. So, you know, if you know how the batter's supposed to look in a certain recipe, and as you're mixing it up, it's like, okay, it seems a little runny, then you'd add a little bit more of the arrowroot starch, or you'd add a little bit more of the blanched um, almond flour. So it's, I wish that I could give you like an equation for these other flours because it would make things a lot more simple, but they just react differently to different um, of in- ingredients. You know, as far as adding liquids to baking, we have, you know, you could add some melted oil or egg or milk. And so it's the flours are going to react a little bit differently. Okay. Well, uh, that's good to know. I do know that in my travels, I've tasted uh, uh, bread that was made out of almond flour, coconut flour with a little bit of nut butter, and it was delicious. And when you think yeah. about it, the sugar level's about zero. You've got protein oh. in there from the organic nut butter, and it sounds like a very healthy staple. Yes. It was delicious. That's the thing that I, I, you know, I wish I could give people a sample of the recipes that I make because it really tastes better than the processed food that we're used to. And that's the thing. It's like we feel like we have to do this to be healthy, which we do, but you're getting, you know, you're getting a product that tastes so much better in addition to being good for you. So it's like this amazing bonus that a lot of people aren't really aware of when they go into the idea of I want to start you know, cooking healthier, they don't realize you're going to start eating some food that tastes a lot better. Oh, you're making me hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And arrowroot, what is that made from? Is that from corn or what is arrowroot made from? It's a, it's a tuber root. So it's very similar to cornstarch as far as how it behaves in baking. So it's a binder. Um, it, It is pretty light. And then also, if I'm making a sauce, like this weekend, I made a blueberry sauce to go on some quinoa pancakes, and Mm. I didn't want to use any added sugars, and I didn't want to add cornstarch, so I used a little bit of liquid stevia, and then I added some arrowroot starch to, you know, thicken it up so it would kind of behave like a traditional uh, sauce. 
Now, are these tubers, uh, is, there, uh, is a high percentage of them genetically modified, or can you get organic arrowroot? Oh, you can definitely get organic. Yeah, okay. it's, arrowroot starch is, is a fairly, well, at least in California, it's, it's very readily available. Um, even the regular grocery stores here, are most of them are carrying these grain-free flours and these more wholesome sweeteners, which is really cool. Um, it just, you know, makes it more accessible and easier for people to get a hold of the ingredients and then, you know, become comfortable using them. Okay. So you mentioned five deadly foods that need to be replaced. So what are they and why? Okay. So we have um, grains, gluten, dairy, soy, and then refined cane sugar. And we actually touched on this earlier as far as, like, why are these ingredients deadly and why do we need to replace them? Um, I think the biggest thing for me is the inflammation that these ingredients cause, by and large. You know, by removing these five ingredients from your diet, you're improving your diet in a way where you're going to have so much less inflammation. Um, and also, like we talked about earlier, these are very calorie-dense ingredients. And so by removing them, you're lightening it and you're just giving your body ingredients that it's not going to have to fight against. You know, we talked about the autoimmune, and that's, you know, our bodies are, are, are fighting against some of these things that we're eating um, because they taste good or, or really just because that's what we're used to. Um, and so I've just identified, you know, these are the five ingredients that I'm taking out of all my recipes. I don't use them in any of it. And it's very simple and, and fun to start cooking without them. And that's a very wise thing. I'll do a little sidebar here. Many of our speakers, including Tom O'Brien, have talked about gluten, that we do not have the enzymes to digest it. So we get these undigested uh, proteins going into our blood system we mount an immune reaction against it and then through molecular mimicry meaning the antibodies get confused the antibodies against gluten will attack our thyroid our insulin producing cells in the pancreas our balanced cells the Purkinje cells in the brain is such a thing called gluten ataxia so gluten wreaks a lot of havoc and we might not even have any symptoms that we are sensitive to it I mean might not know it at all but it's wrecking havoc in your body soy is mostly genetically modified so that's a problem um, and these uh, at least the uh, soy the dairy and the gluten are the foods that in the categories that people are most likely to have a food sensitivity to and a food sensitivity will disrupt the health of the gut and many of our speakers have told us how terribly important our gut is and any food in it and it lead to the chain of autoimmune disease you know make a leaky gut inflammation uh, reactive oxygen species and that will set off a whole chain of events so the fact that you pick these are very, is very wise. Now, for sugar, uh, that is uh, very hard on our pancreas. We get too much insulin. They get insulin resistance, and that sets off a chain of 
inflammation and a bad pathway. And uh, also, sh- a lot of sugar will deplete a lot of the vitamins and you know, affect the immunity system. So you certainly pick the right foods. And about the grains, the thing that happens with, with our response to gluten, if you have a lot of a particular grain, you could also develop a reaction to that. So you certainly pick the five best foods to try to eliminate. And those are the ones we want to get rid of. So well done. Yeah. And in addition to, you know, all these, the health benefit of, of eliminating these ingredients, there's also the issue of weight gain. And that's something that, you know, I'm, I come from the fitness world and that's something where, you know, when you eliminate these ingredients that are causing the inflammation and it's causing, you know, issues in your gut, just by factor of eliminating them, you're able to release a lot of the weight and the, you know, just the extra pounds that people are carrying around. They're able to more easily release that once they've stopped eating these ingredients that cause the inflammation and that cause the upset in their gut. And so that's a really cool benefit as well. Sounds good. So we know what we want to eliminate. What do we want to put into our diet? Well, we talked about using grain-free flours, which is a great way to get away from, you know, regular flour. Um, as far as replacing the sugar, that is a subject that I could probably go on for a long time because, you know, there's there are many of wholesome sweeteners out there, and a lot of my recipes, you'll see some in there. And uh, these days, I've been using more uh, stevia, which is a natural uh, zero sugar count, zero calorie um, sweetener, where we can actually, you know, improve the nutrition by removing the sugar even more. But But again, I have, you know, young children, so I definitely will still make them you know, cookies and throw in some some dates or some raw honey, something that's a a wholesome sweetener that's not going to, you know, leach out the vitamins and the minerals from their body like refined sugar would. Um, But it is going to give them, you know, some of the simple sugars and carbohydrates um, that I don't necessarily want in my diet, which is why I'm doing a lot more stevia these days and just staying away from, you know, sweeteners that have sugar in them. What about some of the artificial sweeteners? I, I stay away from artificial sweeteners. You know, stevia, I feel like stevia is pretty misunderstood because, and maybe, maybe because it kind of almost sounds like Splenda, which, you know, as we know, Splenda is very highly processed. Um, but stevia, I actually grow it in my garden. It's a leaf. You can put the leaf on your tongue and you can feel the sweetness. You can, you know, soak it in your tea. It's something that is much closer to nature than these artificial sweeteners like the aspartame and, you know, Splenda, et cetera, um, which, again, I'm not a doctor, but I myself feel a reaction when I take in artificial sweeteners. Like, it does not agree with me, which tells me, you know, this isn't natural, this isn't good for me. Well, it seems like we're a good team here because I do have some medical background and aspartame is a neurotoxin. We really want to stay away from it. Splenda, I think, started off as insecticide and uh, these do cause problems. So you're absolutely right on. I'm giving the scientific bit that coincides exactly with your where you were going. Very good. Now, now also, I, th- I would 
wonder about using too many dates because I've seen some raw food people and they eat so many dates and they're not aware of the high glycemic index that they could be harming themselves, but they just adamantly say, this is healthy, this is healthy. And I think too much many dates because of the high glycemic index need to mix it with some protein so the glycemic right. index is reduced. So, Definitely. okay. Uh, yes, definitely. It's like it, dates are better than, you know, refined cane sugar, but we have to limit the sugar in our diet, period. And that can be wholesome sugar or, or you know, refined sugar. But we need to monitor it just to be in good health. So your favorite foods, I imagine, will be like uh, organic, uh, non-processed, uh, you know, uh, you know great, anyway, the very healthy things that we've been talking about all along. Yeah. Any you other know, things? That, yeah. Well, I, I gosh, I have, I love food. That's that's you know one of my motivators is that I love food so much and I want to be able to enjoy, you know, all of these different flavors and all of these different dishes without compromising the nutrition aspect. And so you know, I, I'll get cravings and I will. You know, typically I'll see something either in a restaurant or I'll see it in an ad, let's say like a a beautiful-looking cookie, and it it will just get in my mind that I have to make that, and I have to make it with no grains, with no sugar, and I want it to taste really good. (laughs) And so I'm, I you know, people ask me, like, what's your favorite food or what's your favorite dish to make? And it's like, I like coming up with new stuff, which kind of works for what I do because I'm always, you know, coming up with content, but... It's it changes by the day, but it's definitely light, filled with real ingredients, and just low impact as far as the sugar goes. Yeah, and I'd like to say the cookbook that she has made have some really wonderful recipes in it. So this will guide us on how we can have fun on this path to health. We are coming up to a break right now, so uh, we will be back after the break, and we will give you more information. into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. We'd love to hear from you about today's show. Send your email to drsusan at occupyhealth.com. That's drsusan at occupyhealth.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Occupy Health. I'm here with Deanna Koulian, and we're going to talk more about recipe hacking, how we can have all of our favorite foods and stay on that healthy path. Uh, and what concerns me is I don't like to cook. It makes such a mess, and I've got to clean the dishes. It just seems so, so much work. Is it? Is it a lot of work? It's, uh, you know what? That is a wonderful question, and I find that that is one of the reasons that people, you know, don't attempt to get a home-cooked meal on the table is because, you know, they look at it as this huge task that's almost unsurmountable. And, you know, the answer to the question is it doesn't have to be difficult. You know, it, it can be as easy as you make it, but it definitely takes planning, um, and so this is something um, it, on my website, which is realhealthyrecipes.com, I've actually put in the time to create a meal planning platform. And so basically what it is is it's every week it has your dinners for the week and it generates your grocery list. And this is something oh. that for years I would sit down at the kitchen table on the weekend and pull out my cookbooks and I would manually do it manually write out my grocery list, and it was like I had this vision and this dream of like, oh, what if I could just have it, like, created for me? And so that's the bulk of what I do these days is creating that for people. Um, But, you know, even if you don't use that service, it's the more that you plan, you plan your meals for the week, you make your list, you go and do it on the weekend when you have a little more time, you can fit in some slow cooker recipes, um, a lot of my meal plans, I will incorporate, like, we'll make a protein for one day, and then we'll reuse half the protein the next day. So it's just using little ways to cut down on the time that you're actually in the kitchen, but you're still getting the result that you want, which is, here's a healthy meal on the table that's predominantly, you know, fresh veggies and protein with a lot of flavor, and, you know, that flavor's coming from fresh ingredients. So since the ingredients are fresh, it sounds like we have to shop fairly often. How often do we need to go to the grocery store or the market? You know, if you do it 
again, this is how much you're willing to plan, you can do it once a week. I will typically go twice because I do like to keep things really fresh. Um, but once or twice with, with the right planning, knowing, you know, what you're going to make and when you're going to serve it, once or twice, you shouldn't have to go more than twice a week if you want to have, you know, really fresh ingredients. Hmm. And so on this diet, what happens if we screw up and stray? If you screw up and what? I'm sorry. Stray. We, if we get stray? off the wagon and eat unhealthy. Yeah. Well, you know, it's going to happen. That That is life. And really, you know, this is what I, I tell my, my readers. It's like, what do you do next? Okay, you you know, you had a stressful day and you went out and you ate a big bowl of pasta. What are you going to do tomorrow? Are you going to wake up and pack your healthy lunch and, and get back on your normal routine? Or are you going to let it spiral out of control? So, you know, we're all going to mess up and we're all going to, you know, get off course. But it's really... The more you can build your routine, you know, we're, we're creatures of habit. And the more you have the habit of good health and the habit of eating healthy, when it goes from being something that you have to put out all this effort to when it's just your normal, that's when the magic really happens and that's when it just becomes part of your lifestyle. And that's really what, what we're talking about is, you know, how do we change our lifestyle, I guess, as, as a culture from, you know, having processed food as our main source of calories to making it normal to eat healthy and making it normal to raise our kids on wholesome vegetables and, and lean proteins and teaching them, you know, that sitting down to a big bowl of ice cream after dinner is something that you shouldn't do every day. You know, it's, it's about changing our lifestyle. Well, two things I really like in your book is you focus on what you can have rather than what you can't have. And very similar to that is focusing on gratitude for the things we have versus the things we don't have. And I see those as two similar concepts. And I like those very much. Can you talk about them a little? Yeah, definitely. You know, one of the things, I I do write about this often, when someone is going to change their diet, the first thing that you think about is, I can't have this, I can't have that, I can't, you know, all these things that you love, you can't have anymore. And really just redirecting that focus to, you get to try this new vegetable and you get to try this new, you know, grain-free cookie recipe and you get to try, it's like this whole new world opens up in front of you of all these new flavors and all these new possibilities. And the cool side benefit is that, your health is improving and you are, you know, losing the weight and you're being filled with natural energy, which, you know, that's a byproduct that people don't really realize that we're, you know, as a society, we're like runoff caffeine. But when you're putting wholesome, real food into your body, like you have natural energy. So um, I kind of went on a tangent there. That's okay. <laughs> Anyway, one thing that, you know, in her cookbook, she has things like chocolate glazed donuts and homemade peanut butter cups. So, you know, what's wrong with that? And so if we focus on what we can have, but I really like the philosophy just generally of focusing on what we have rather than what our society tends to do of focusing on what we don't have. If we just are thankful for what we have, our lives are going to be so much easier. Absolutely. 
Okay. So, um, what kind of tools do we need to have in the kitchen? How do we get ready for all of this? That's a great question. Um, there are a few essentials, you know, and it, like we talked about, if, if our goal is to get healthy food on the table every day and to make this a lifestyle, you know, there are some tools that you need in order to make this practical and doable. Um, the first thing I would say is a slow cooker. And, you know, having a slow cooker, it's, it's almost like having a, a chef at home that's, you know, preparing your meal while you're off, you know, having your day. And I have many slow cooker recipes that I come up with because the whole concept is you throw a bunch of stuff into this pot, you turn it on for a certain amount of time, and you can leave the house, go have your day, and come back, and you have this cooked meal that smells delicious, and it's wholesome because you're the one that put all those ingredients in it. Um, So I would say, number one, you definitely need a slow cooker. Uh, the second thing would be, you know, you need to have proper knives. We're dealing with fresh ingredients, uh, whether that be, you know, the lean meats and then the vegetables and having a, just a, even just one good solid kitchen knife where you can chop things up and you're confident using it, it makes a huge difference. Um, and, you know, along with the knife and cutting board, um, some good skillets and pans. I love making noodles out of vegetables, and so that is a very simple little tool called a spiral slicer. Um, there's dozens of them on the market these days. Um, it's you know it's not a brand new thing anymore. Um, so that's something that it's not a you have to have it because you can certainly prepare vegetables without turning them into noodles. But that's a really fun one that I use quite often. Um, and then a food processor for me is huge. Um, you can do everything from, you know, blending a dressing because that's another thing that I could go off on is how, you know, we can make simple, fresh dressings at home rather than buying the bottled stuff at the store that has all those additives. But, you know, a food processor allows you to do that. It allows you to chop things up, and then we can grate things. It's, it, it's also what I would say it would be an essential tool. Um, but I, those would be like my basic starting point, and with that, you could successfully make your wholesome meals, you know, with ease. Yeah, I've made uh, spaghetti with zucchini noodles using the uh, apparatus you just described, and I got accused of bringing gluten into a raw ah. food party. They were all over me. I said, "Oh well." <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, it was it, regular it, spaghetti. Yeah, it looks like it. And, you know, I, I'm really into doing the food photography, so I love how the photos will come out looking like this, you know, sinful noodle dish. But I know, okay, that's that's zucchini or that was a butternut squash. Uh, but really, if uh, if listeners don't want to invest in a, a little gadget, I think it's like 15 or $20, um, a, a veggie peeler, so just like a peeler like you would use to peel the skins off a potato, you can use that to create flat noodles with pretty much any vegetable. And I will do that, like, if I want to save time. And you you recommend starting with a clean slate. I mean, kind of like going through and getting all of the stuff out of our closet, I mean, out of our pantry. So just clear out everything? I would definitely. I mean, if, you know, we talked about, making it a lifestyle that, it, that you're used to, 
Well, in order to get there, we have to completely, you know, get out of the the habits and the routine that we're in now. And if that now for you includes, you know, you've got junk food in the cupboard, you've got the ice cream in the freezer, you know, whatever it might be that you know is your weakness and you know you're going to just, that's your default. Because, you know, I write about this often as well. We don't just, you know, as creatures of habit, we kind of have our default meals. If you like to eat out a lot, you probably have your default restaurants and you order your default dish. And so it's a matter of replacing those defaults with new, healthier defaults. And so you got to get them out. You got to go through and, and take all those temptations out of your home. And so, and in doing so, replace them with healthier options. Because again, we're not taking everything away. We're adding these new things in so we can have that to focus on. And then just going from there. So for me, I tell people, yes, go through Take the temptations out. When you have established your new habits and when your default is now these healthy foods, can you keep some of that stuff back in your home as a treat? Maybe you can. That's, you know, you would have to see how you do with it. Maybe you you could. But to start with, to just, you know, start a new pattern, to start a new lifestyle, I would say get the old stuff out. I love cheese and ice cream. Uh, you know, I, I can't do without those. What do you substitute for those? Well, I, if you, you know, if you love cheese and ice cream, but you know you can't have it as a part of your daily diet, or if, or if you do, it has to be very, very monitored and, and controlled. Um, so, if that's something that you love, and obviously cheese, we can make a dairy-free cheese, but it's not going to be like the cheese that you love. It's not going to be exactly like it. So Will I would it melt say, all over the place? I mean, the no. thing about cheese is it's got to melt all over the place. Yes. No, it won't. That's the fact. It, it won't. So I would say you have to find, you know, the, you have to find the boundary of, you know, maybe Wednesdays, are your cheese and ice cream day, and you have a bite of it, or you, you know, fit it in as a treat, but take it out of your, you know, this is an everyday thing, and this is a part of, you know, my daily meal. That would be what I would say, because there are certain things, you know, we, we can make a real food ice cream that has, you know, coconut milk as a base and uses some mashed up bananas as a sweetener, and it tastes good. But if, yes. you know, you have a rich ice cream that you love, well, why couldn't you have it once a week or once every other week, monitoring it with your, you know, caloric intake and, and your program? That, that's kind of my take on that. Now, I found some very good almond-based ice creams that are almost as good. It's just the cheese that is left as a challenge. Um, yeah, it is hard to replace cheese. Again, we can make like a cashew spread, which tastes awesome, but it's not going to melt. <laughs> Okay. Now, two of my favorite foods are croissants and popovers. Do you have uh, recipes that can substitute for those? Um, I have some good bread rolls, and it's not, I mean, it's not going to be exactly like a croissant and a popover, but it is definitely light, and um, again, switching things in that are healthy, replacing things that were refined, 
there's going to be a period of adjustment where, you know, you bite into it and it's like, okay, this does not have all the layers of a croissant. But, you know, as your palate adjusts and your expectations adjust and it becomes part of your routine and your habit, you will gain the same satisfaction from a grain-free bread roll as you would a croissant. But, again, it's, it's changing a lifestyle. But, yeah, I definitely have some, um, some rolls that are really good and fluffy. Okay. So we've talked about what we need to get out of our kitchens. So what do we put in our kitchen? What are some of the basic staples that you put into your recipes? And give us some examples of how they're used. Okay, yeah. So we had talked about um, grain-free flours which if you like to bake, are absolutely essential. Um, you know, I would say take all of the, uh, the wheat flours and the refined sugars out and, you know, kind of give your, your pantry a makeover. So blanched almond flour, for me, is a yeah. must. Yeah, it's rich almond. in manganese and monounsaturated fats and vitamin E, so it's healthy. Right. Um, almond meal, coconut flour, arrowroot starch, flaxseed meal, and these are all um, grain-free flours. Um, and then getting into, this, this kind of goes back to the cheese. Um, I love to use nutritional yeast. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, but it's basically, it, it's big yellow flakies. Um, it has a, kind of like a nutty flavor. It's something, I used to be raw vegan a few years ago, and so it's something that is added to sauce and to, um, like, when you're, you're making cheese out of cashews, you add that in and blend it in, and it gives it, like, kind of like this cheese flavor. But I like to use it in many of my savory recipes. So I would definitely have a bag of nutritional yeast um, for... Now, you mentioned uh, in your book that you can use flaxseed meal as an egg replacement. So how do you do that? Yes, that's actually a very simple um, equation for baking. You take one tablespoon of flax meal and you mix it with three tablespoons of water. And then typically I'll let it sit for maybe three or four minutes on the counter because it takes a little few minutes for the, uh, the binding effect to happen between the flax meal and the water, and you'll see it kind of gets a little gelatinous, and then you throw it in, and it will help bind just like egg. Oh, I'd like yeah, to also really- say, in your book, you say that flaxseed meal, it's got omega-3 essential fatty acids, soluble and insoluble fiber, and you recommend never using more than 25% of it, otherwise the flour will get too grainy. And nutritional yeah. yeast is uh, high in vitamin B12. So, okay, yeah. what else? Okay, so um, if we want to get into some of the wholesome sweeteners, um, coconut palm sugar is one that I really do like. Um, you know, we were talking about how, you know, subbing in blanched almond flour one for one for regular flour. Well, coconut palm sugar, you can sub one for one for regular refined sugar. Um, it's not going to be as sweet, and it's definitely, you know, lower glycemic for us, and it is filled with nutrients as opposed to taking nutrients from us, um, but it is still not as sweet as uh, regular sugar. And what nutrients are in it? What nutrients are in the coconut palm sugar? In the coconut palm sugar, it has iron, there's zinc, potassium, and calcium. So it is definitely, I mean, it's it's from coconut, it's, it's it's a whole food. 
Um, raw honey is something that I will use very sparingly, but I will use it. Um, you know, if, if you use raw honey, then it has some live enzymes in it, and then there's some vitamins and minerals and then the antioxidants. So any time that you're going to take refined sugar out of a recipe, you know, you can get very creative with how you add a little bit of sweetness back in. And so if you want to do a teaspoon of raw honey or a teaspoon of coconut palm sugar or three drops of liquid stevia, um, and then there's also pure maple syrup, which is healthier for us than refined sugar. Um, But like I said earlier, I'm getting more away from using even the wholesome sweeteners and I'm getting more into doing just a touch of stevia to add a little sweetness and just really um, keeping it keeping it lower in calories and lower in sugar. Now you, now you recommended uh, melting the raw honey in a double broiler, and you also uh, mentioned it does have some fructose in it. I mean, cooking the honey will that uh, dilute the vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants that are in it? You know what? I do it very gently. As far as just you know, raw honey is is like a solid. And so if you're going to mix it into a batter, it's, you know, unless you're using a food processor and you're really beating it up, there's really no way to incorporate it unless you gently melt it. Um, so I would say, you know, don't, don't heat it to a boiling. You know, get, if it, even if it comes to room temperature, it gets a little soft. But, you know, putting it on a double boiler and just warming it to a point where it's a little more liquid, um, it's just kind of a necessary in order to get it incorporated into the recipe. As far as how much it affects the enzymes, I don't know. Now, in maple syrup, I mean, uh, I assume that one has to be careful of the flavored syrup, the imitation maple syrup, because those will be high in corn uh, syrup. I mean, is that correct? Definitely, yes. Yeah, maple flavored syrups are typically just corn syrup, and that's, you know, corn syrup is... Definitely on our list of um, ingredients that we do not eat. Very, very, very processed. Um, so yeah, but a little bit of pure maple syrup that's you know tapped from a maple tree is is better for you than than the refined sugars for sure. But yes, use it sparingly because it is high in um, simple sugars and carbohydrates. And what do you do for stevia to deal with the aftertaste? Okay, that's a very good question. When you are starting to use stevia, having a little bit of an of a wholesome sweetener with it will really counteract the aftertaste. As you get used to it, like I don't taste an aftertaste anymore. Like your palate will adjust. But yeah, if you are, you know, using it for for the first time and you're going to use it in a cookie recipe. Um, if you add a little bit of honey or a little bit of coconut um, palm sugar in there as well, it will cancel out that, that aftertaste. What about chocolate? I am a huge fan of chocolate. Um, dark and unsweetened chocolate is, you know, it definitely has health benefits, which is kind of amazing. And I've started sweetening my, my unsweetened chocolate with stevia. Um, so this is a way that, you know, we're getting the benefit of the chocolate. We're getting that amazing chocolate flavor. We can use it in dessert recipes, um, but then we're not getting any sugar grams. So what other foods, staples, do you recommend we have on hand? Um, coconut oil is 
something I use every single day. Um, coconut oil, it's, it has a unique blend of fatty acids, um, and it's, I just think it's one of the best oils. I will typically use it more in my sweeter recipes or if I'm going to do, like, Thai food. Um, and then with more savory stuff, I'll do olive oil. But I, I love coconut oil. That's a really essential you need. Um, coconut aminos are, it's an ingredient that a lot of people are not familiar with yet. Um, but this is what I use to replace soy sauce. So it's, it's less refined. It takes out the whole, you know, genetically modified soy issue. Um, but it really is pretty much like soy sauce. Um, so I'll use that in a lot of my savory dinner recipes. Um, a lot of times if I'm going to make a sauce, like make a teriyaki sauce. I'll now, you that. recommend uh, canned coconut milk. What about the BPA or uh, following BPB or whatever that's in the can? Um, you know, I don't use, I, I think I don't use enough of it to where I'm concerned about that. And then to be honest with you, it's like the lesser of two evils. It's like, do I want to be, you know, using dairy that has all of these hormones added into it and, you know, these extra calories, or do I want to occasionally use the canned coconut milk, which really has the handy coconut cream at the top, which I will use to replace tons of uh, different dairy products. And I it, enjoy the flavor and, and feel that it's my body doesn't react well to dairy. I can definitely feel like I feel bloated and I feel sluggish when I... Okay, we are coming close to an end here. So I'd like to also point out that she's a great fan of quinoa. That's great in uh, bread and a complete protein with all the nine essential amino acids. Great fan of apple cider vinegar, which has antioxidants, amino acids, and helps the immune system. She's a great fan of Himalayan salt. And uh, anyway, she's got a lot more information in her cookbook. And in the last minute or two, can you uh, make any final points and tell people how to get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say uh, go to my website, which is realhealthyrecipes.com. And I'm actually, I still have a few copies of my new book, which is uh, The Recipe Hacker Confidential. And so I've been doing a giveaway on my website. So it's basically you pay for shipping, and I will send you the physical book. And it has 120 recipes that, you know, I've taken out the ingredients for you that we are avoiding, the grains, the gluten, the dairy, the soy, and the cane sugar. And I've got everything from breakfast to dinners to snacks and, of course, my favorite desserts. And she sent me that cookbook, uh, you know, uh, because I ended up on her website. And I love it. It's, uh, I mean, it's got all my comfort foods in it. And we're coming to a close. So I recommend you all go out and learn what you can about health and healthy eating and healthy lifestyle so you can help yourselves and help others and be well. Thank you for listening. Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to better health for you this week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.